What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode three of Chris and Company. I'm Chris Castellani. Per usual, I'm not going to waste a whole lot of your time. We just did a phenomenal interview with Nick Durrani, if I should say so myself. More so phenomenal because of him. I just asked the questions. Really excited for you guys to watch it. Uh, check it out here. Before we go any further, though, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, whether you're on YouTube, Rumble, watching this on Twitter. Let's get the likes. Let's get the retweets. Put all the fixings on it. You know, that, that little meme of the guy dropping the, uh, the what is that, Salt Bay? Is that that guy? Yeah. Do all that. I really appreciate it. Let's get to our interview with Nick Tarani. Company episode three, the return of the king, and we do have a king in our midst today, Nick Tarani. What's going on, thank, buddy? Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Having me. Oh, I blew it already. Um, episode three. Congratulations. Yes. How are we? Thank you for having me. Of course. No, you were all you. You were on the short. You had no. You have an open invite anytime you want to oh. come on. I, I feel. I feel like I'm out of my element a little bit though, because I feel like the expectation. Mm. with you with everything you're in is like it's got to be funny no like, no 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 because then we could also do like a, an intimate one where i really open up uh straightly and uh you know and people be like oh that would be cool that's cool too that's yeah no because but my first two episodes I, I like doing that like 60 minutes shit because i like i i being remote i like to get to know the people more even though i've been fucking working here for three years now but it's yes yeah. But, uh, but no, I guess we'll we'll start with that because I find your like your journey to Barstool and kind of the mystery that surrounds your past to be very interesting. Like it's yeah. almost like it's almost like the Joker telling multiple stories about how he got his scars. Like I'm not I've known you. I, I, I consider you a friend, but I'm not I'm still uncertain about how you came to be at Barstool. Like I just, you were just always one of those guys that was just there when I, when I, when I arrived. So like, if you could just yeah. talk me through how it came about of you, uh, Dave reaching out to you, you getting hired and then you ending up in the New York office at the time. Yeah. So, um, for, I, I'm not like a prankster or like, uh, for some reason I've gotten this reputation as like a troll or a prankster. I've actually only told like one tale, which is true about how I've gotten here. I think other people just that, that's what I, it is. It's, it's not almost you. like other people. Other make people up. run with yeah. theories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it was pretty pretty odd. Um, I guess everybody's path here really is right. Nobody mm -hmm. kind of does it straightforward. Um, I wasn't even really a barstool fan, to be quite honest. The first thing I ever consumed was Vibs doing sports science, and I was like, it was always in the peripherals. I followed Big Cat, I believe, on like Twitter. I was a sports fan. I followed Dave. Um, and then I just heard of a kid from our hometown getting hired there, Kyle. I uh, never had his phone number, never hung out with him. Uh, didn't think like if I walked past him, like in a public setting, it wouldn't even be a hello. It'd probably be like a head, head nod kind of relationship. 
Um, and I saw he got hired there. I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Um, and at the time I was living in Columbus, Ohio. I started reading Kyle's blogs, they were hilarious. Um, and so that was really the extent of it. He followed me on Twitter. I wasn't really tweeting though. Um, I'm kind of butch, it's very boring. I was a web designer at Ohio State, but I wanted to move to New York City. And I got a, I got hired, I got interviewed with Fox Sports as an art director there. And I lied about where I lived. I said I lived in New York. And so I was having to take a bus there every weekend for every fucking round of interviews, every week. Not, and so I was having to miss work. And um, I reached out to Kyle one day because I was bored as shit in New York in between interviews. Or I was like, it was after an interview, my bus wasn't leaving until like 11. So I DM him on Twitter and we grab a drink. And then he was like, well, hey man, if you're doing graphics and like you have some funny tweets, would you ever want to work at Barstool? And I said, yeah, that would be amazing, man. Um, but I never want to be on camera at all. I want to be like, just, I would help people write jokes. I would do design. I would like make graphics for blogs. I'd be like a graphic designer. I'd love to make merch. And he was like, okay. And so then Dave followed me and Gaz followed me. I was like, holy shit. And I sent in like a resume to Gaz, nothing like six months of quiet. I kind of got little disheartened and then i had a tweet get like a million likes and then i got reached out to by guys like hey would you want to interview and i interviewed with quigs actually uh for graphics and then i met with dave for like five minutes and i got the job he was like well i know that you're interviewing with fox sports how much are they offering you i told him how much they were offering me he offered five grand less and i took it um and so then I was like, uh, I need to start in two weeks. Uh, I need to like, you know, do right at by Ohio State, put in my two weeks. And so I did that and just lived in a hotel my first couple weeks at Barstool um, and then lived with Kyle for a little bit. But yeah, I, I walked in full intent of being a graphic designer at Barstool Sports. That's what I told people I was going to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I just got in. I thought this was a normal job where you came in at nine. And so I got to the office at 9 a.m., completely empty. I'm freaking out. I text Kyle. Hey man, like, can I sit at your desk? Yeah, you can. And I was just sitting at Kyle's desk and I think people just assumed I was content. And then, uh, there, there we go. I, I'm the only graphics I've made are for some the early dozen teams. Wow. At, at what, at what point did you realize that the parameters of the job had changed and that you were going to be a, a content on camera personality? Was it pretty quickly? It was pretty quickly. Like I got photographed for like the blogger page and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just like, here, we got to throw you up on the blogger page. And then they were just like, yeah, like, you're kind of like Kyle, right? I'm like, I guess. They're like, yeah, just like one one funny blog a day. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, I'd never really written, um, certainly wasn't comfortable on camera. I've never taken a, like, a radio or TV class. Um, but that's kind of the magic of it, man. And uh, now I'm completely unhirable as a graphic designer anywhere else. Because if you Google my name, you know, there's eight videos of me saying cunt. Now there's nine. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but that's that's it's a it was a fun path and like i'm glad you know i talked to my folks i was like should i do this like this is kind of crazy i don't it might not work um but they were just like have fun you know and that's what i've been trying to do so my first year i said yes to everything mm -hmm. and i've never i've been a pussy my whole life born pussy actually uh, i was a c-section but ironically born pussy and um <laughs> you know I uh, just was like, fuck it. This is a once in a lifetime thing. I'm going to say yes to everything. And so that first year, 
uh, you know, surviving bar stool. Uh, do you want to hop on this podcast? Do you want to do this? Do you want to try this? Um, every lowering the bar I could said yeah to. And uh, it was an experience, man. That's probably a pretty good uh, philosophy to have when getting hired here is to just, you know, put yourself as a part of as much content as possible. But that's so such a unique story to me because I never would have guessed that you always seem incredibly comfortable on camera. And especially with you not knowing Kyle before yeah. Barstool, it's, it's clear that you guys have like, a, you know, you do a podcast together. You guys have a great chemistry together. At what point in your journey in Barstool did you realize like, you know, like how do you pick up on chemistry with another person? Is it just some, like a vibe check type of thing? Or is there a moment where you kind of talked to him and said like, I, I just feel comfortable around you? So Kyle and I, for not being friends before this, had obviously a shockingly similar upbringing. You know, we both went to the same Catholic school. We both are in the same, t we're both born and raised in the same town of like 700 people. Uh, we both uh, kind of, uh, I, I know our own way a little bit outcasty, you know, but like both our moms were super involved in the school. Both of our dads are jackasses. Um, and so our upbringings are shockingly, shockingly similar. The family makeup of sister, dog, everything. Wow. And so I think that's that natural chemistry we bonded over, you know, weird things and wheeling over this and that. And, you know, when I got here, I was lucky enough. I think, I think he's a genius, right? I was lucky enough that he didn't really have a partner you know um and so kind of just finding that you know barstool is kind of in a way a duo based company um if you want to go that route like you know you see big cat pft you see kayla brown and those are the those are the two i was like if i want to do something in that you look at those two sets of guys and you're like holy shit kfc and fights like it's uh if you want to work at barstool in that nature it's kind of nice to have an ampersand um with you so i got lucky there and I just kind of, Kyle actually never really did video content on purpose before I got there though. Cause people think we started at the same time. He was there at a, he was there a year and a half before me, but he was, uh, he didn't even go into HQ too. He worked across the street at the cafe and blogged. So he was like also kind of reserved. So I think I don't want to speak for him, but I think at least having somebody similar around that's also new to it was great at getting me out of my shell. Did you grow up with like in the world of comedy? Like, did because you strike me as somebody who has like a lot of influences and studies comedy and what makes people laugh? Like, did you it, was that something that's part of your background or was it something that you kind of developed as you developed along here at Barstool? I was never the funny guy at school, I was always really shy. Um, I loved Jim Gaffigan, I had his CD growing up, I loved Dimitri Martin. I love Bo Burnham, of course, like, but that was even a little bit older. Um, honestly, eighth grade when I discovered Weird Al, maybe six, six to eight, somewhere in that, I discovered Weird Al, and I thought that was amazing. Um, I never really made videos or, um, I didn't even do comedy. I was just kind of a weirdo. I loved making claymations. I have like, I probably have 50 to 60 like cassettes, but not like VHS, the ones that you put into like a Sony Handycam. Yeah. I had this stop motion series called Hammer Man. He was like this, he was a villain. I did like the background story of a villain. He was just a hammer, um, but I had like clothes for him and he, I did the claymation series. Like I had like five seasons of fucking Hammer Man just for me. And then I, um, I made comic books for like 
kids in my class and I would Xerox them and put them and try to like sell comic books. But that was really the extent of any sort of creativity um, for me. I have, uh, have these Hammerman, uh, has the Hammerman series seen the light of day since you've been at Barstool? Fuck no, dude. I can't do it. I can't There's fucking no... do it. There's no Tarani direct director's The balls on right? you for putting out like your lip syncing younger videos. Like <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I try not to watch anything I've ever done. Cause then I, 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 it's just like, dude, but I get it's It's a fun thing. I'm sure for other people, but man, like everything you put out of like your younger self, I look at that. I watch everyone beginning to end. I'm just like, look, look, look at this dude go. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, I luck out because I have the fortune of having access to that stuff. And I'm telling you, 99% of it is, is unwatchable. I, I, pick, I, I pick and choose the stuff that people might enjoy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's, I mean, one of these days you just put out some real brutal shit. Oh dude. Some, some early movie reviews where I don't know what editing looks like, like mm -hmm. the high pitched voice. Oh yeah. The camera falls over. There's and I don't, I don't cut it out. There's, there's, there's a lot of, of, of crap that, that is inside the Castellani vault. But no, in terms of, you know, it, that's really, you know, again, it's really, it's really interesting to me that you, uh, so much of this kind of feels like not learned on the fly necessarily, but there was so much of kind of just, you know, picking things up as you went along. And this is a question I've always wanted. I always want to ask people that I find funny and that the world finds funny. Do you think you're funny? That's a good question. Um, I've had, I've had moments where, like, I, I, I understand comparison is the thief of joy. I yeah. see Kyle's brain work. I'll see Sass's brain work, Roan, and I'll just be like, what the fuck? How? How the fuck? Um, there are some moments where, like, I've, I've had some things where I thought was funny. I think it's just a different type of funny. Um, I, think, I think I would call myself more quick than funny. That's fair. I mean, I would say they kind of go hand in hand, but I'm always, I'm always intrigued by that because you hear about so many different comedians and funny people who kind of struggle with the off, you know, off the stage or when, when they're not on, not on camera. And I often wonder if it's because perhaps they, they're one of the only people in the world that doesn't find their own material uh, to be uh, amusing. Now at the same time, the way that you describe like Sass's brain and Kyle's brain, I mm -hmm. think is the way most people look at you as well. In that yeah, kind of that's just, a huge compliment. Um, and it's like credit to the, like being around like everybody, you know, like seeing everybody's stuff, not even people I work with, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think I'm better uh, on the fly than I am with like pre-written. Um, I think I credit a lot of that to like reading though. I read a fuck ton and not mm -hmm. even just comedy. Like I'll read things just to learn new words to like, you know, uh, I, it's kind of just like working out the brain. Cause like, I've conditioned myself now because of Kyle. I don't want to ever come off as fucking pompous. Like I don't like whenever like funny people hop on a podcast and talk about the craft or the arts. <laughs> uh, you're a court jester. You're a clown. Like, uh, you, you know, you could, you could of course write an amazing joke, but you'll probably make just as many people laugh if you shit your pants. Um, uh, but I've kind of trained myself to like think in homonyms and homophones. Like, I think that's a good way to get a laugh of just like, mm. if you would say something that also has a double meaning, I try to immediately think of that. And it was like a, I think reading with the, ex extending the vocabulary and seeing how things uh, work and world building and like that helps with everything is what I, I, I read more than I watch movies or watch stand up. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, the, the point of what makes people laugh, it's such a subjective thing. And it's, that's, <laughs> it's a funny point you bring up about people that kind of talk about 
the craft because you can come up with the most juvenile shit. In, oh yeah. In five seconds, that's where somebody was has been working on material for years and they're they're failing to hit with people. Like I, you know, I watch I, I watch movies, I watch stand up. The hardest I've ever laughed in a movie theater was the scene in This Is the End where Danny McBride and James Franco are talking about how they're going to jerk off on each other. It's yep. like that was probably completely improv, took five seconds, whereas there's some struggling comedian out there who probably is working on material for years. You just never really know what's going to hit. And I, I think one of the big things what, that I've always respected about you, and I think that the, the audience definitely does, is there's for somebody that maybe didn't come from a content background, you seem – you're remarkably comfortable. You're comfortable on camera. You have a very high hit rate, I feel like, with what you say, the stuff that sticks. And so much of Barstool is trying out new things. Okay, this didn't quite work. I'm going to pivot to something else. Was there a moment here uh, where you felt like you had settled in at the company, where you felt like a a part of the gang, so to speak? First of all, thanks for saying I seem comfortable. I promise you I still get nervous (laughs) for every yak. Really? Um, Yeah, yeah. And I still get nervous before any video releases. Hmm. And I – I ax a ton of shit. Like me and Kyle will try stuff and be like, that wasn't funny and we won't put it out. And I think, I think that's a good trait of knowing whether or not to put something out. And it kind of hurts just be like, one, you're admitting you're not funny or at, at least in this situation. And two, it's that work in such a, you know, in, in a place where stuff comes out every day, it gets buried immediately, even like to put, to put something away that you've been working on um, is tough. I've kind of gotten off track here, but uh, the settle in moment, that's a great question, man. Cause like, honest to God, I still feel like I'm the new guy here. Um, it's been four years, but it's, it still feels like I'm fucking fresh meat. Cause like I'm around some of these like lifers, you know, the Chicago guys, this, that, like I started right before COVID. Um, I, so I, I was here at Barstool for two months and then COVID hit and everybody went home. And so my settlement moment probably happened, happened six months in, you know, I came back to New York and, um, it was probably, oh man, that's a, fuck, that's a great question. Cause I got, I got asked to be seventh chair in the yak for whenever Caleb was out. Um, I think it was being asked to be on the rundown, man, the flagship show. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me feel like, all right, Nick, you plug in, you plug yourself in. You're with, I think I was with KFC and Casey and uh, these two people that have been here for so long, KFC, you know, an original guy and just, talk with them and that was like almost like all right you're a part of this now you know that's there's a symmetry to that because my you know the settle in thing i'm still working on it but i remember my first i think my only appearance i ever made on the rundown was with you and it was when i was in the new york offices and it was mm-hmm. you me and brandon yeah and i remember that was but that was pre-john rich so it was kind of just like hey you want to be on the rundown okay come on yeah and uh yeah i was nervous as shit like it was it was because especially with like Brandon is one of like the, you know, the, on that Mount Rushmore of like, I know you through the internet guys type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so it's like, I go back and I watch that clip and it's like, whatever comfortability I had, uh, like came from you. Because I think that in general, like one of the toughest parts about this job is getting it is fun, but you just never know how people are going to feel about you. Like, sure. You know, yeah. We're going to respond. So it's like, there was, there was a brief moment where you're like, yeah, I've seen your videos. Like you have the fucking quagmire uh, flag in the, the back. Quagmire flag. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you were the and, first uh, man to ever ever cry in front of a flagmire, <laughs> uh, flagmire flag. Yeah, and and probably the last. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I just it, it's it's interesting that uh, you know the rundown was kind of your 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 settling uh, mm-hmm. moment there. You know, you've done 
sketch comedy now. You've done live stuff with the Yak and, you know, the live stuff on the Dozen, obviously. Do you feel, do you have a different approach in terms of how you make people laugh on the internet versus how you make people laugh maybe on stage or, or you know, uh, through sketch comedy? Um, a different approach. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's a lot more daunting to do stand up in front of a crowd of 35 people than it is to do a yak. You know, you're putting out a yak yeah. case race that's going to be seen by, uh, you know, like 150,000 people or however mm -hmm. many people see those. It's a completely, completely different feeling. Um, I just kind of try to be genuine on both aspects. Like when I'm doing sketch comedy, I'm no fucking actor. You'll see, I don't ever play a character. I'm just kind of like, Oh, here's Nick in the desert. Oh, here's, here's Nick in a bathroom. Here's like, I'll never be an actor. Um, but the approach is, I guess, you know what, if it's something I trust my sense of humor, I don't think I'm the funniest guy in the world, but I can recognize, I think like, Oh, that's a funny video. That's a funny movie. That's a funny book. Mm -hmm. So I think if I pride myself in that, so if I do something that I think is funny, then I'll just try to trust it a little bit. I guess yeah. just trusting my gut. But uh, the approach for a live crowd is a little bit different in that you have to be a little bit more energetic, I guess. But mm -hmm. other than that, um, I kind of I try to treat everything the same way. That's probably just because I'm not polished, though. Like, this has never been me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I haven't, again, I'm not going to fucking call it the craft, but whatever that is, I haven't really honed it. You know, it's all yeah. still, all still very new. I feel like with stand up as well, like sometimes, sometimes it's just dependent on like who's in the crowd too. Like you never truly know, you know, how people are going to respond mm -hmm. to you. And that's why comedy is such a difficult thing because the best comedians have to eat their shit like consistently like that's how you work out material and it's like you, that you develop a, a much thicker skin where i feel like doing something online and i'm glad you bring that up because i i feel the same way like when i make when i make any video it doesn't occur to me that like seventy thousand people are going to watch this. yeah like, like close your eyes and picture seventy thousand people dude that's like what what freddie mercury was singing to like right I'd be, and, yeah. and it's watching ninth grade you sing uh classic yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I know. And so I don't think about it because that was it's funny because those videos, you know, started as me showing them to like my high school friends, which was like eight people. Uh, and, and like at that point, I'm like, this is a lot of people. And then for some reason, somewhere along the line, I transitioned to being like, oh, well, there I can put a few more zeros after that number and bizarrely feel feel comfortable. That takes, that takes a ton of bravery, man. Like I I'm an anxious guy. Like I will still um, when it comes from like my personal accounts, like I don't like. I'm fine with like talking on the yak and then the yak posting. Cause like, those are people that want to see that. I feel like this weird guilt. Like I'm going to send off a tweet. Like, Oh, I don't want to clutter people's timelines or like, like, I don't want to like, it's, it's odd to me. Like, yeah, I, I still, I'm not, I'm not good. Uh, socially uh, on social media or anything like that. I, it's a, a lot of social media anxiety for me. I wish I had more social media anxiety. I don't know, man, because it's our job and I just don't do it. <laughs> like, true but the yeah. alternative the alternative is put doing what i've done which is put everything out there which sometimes has a tendency to backfire but i do get your point do you think think before you say stuff for sure i think yeah i think maybe a a, a hybrid of us <laughs> would be perfect yeah 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 um do you know one thing that because i knew when i originally kind of came across you at barstool 
you know, I, I knew you through just, you, you were making me laugh. That was kind of my first thing. And I saw last year, uh, you know, Carl had you on one of our Barstool baseball episodes and I've seen you uh, recently, you were on the, uh, the NFL show talking about uh, the playoff games. And, you know, I, I realized like you, you're a very knowledgeable sports fan. Like, is that so, do you want to try to get more into the sports lane here? I don't, I don't just because, um, you know, this might sound awful. Uh, it, when every time you have a sports take, you're pissing off 50% of people. Um, and that's not really an, I don't know if I have the mental fortitude for that. And every time I talk about sports, it, ha- it happens. It's just like, you're fucking wrong. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a sensitive guy. I don't really have thick skin. Um, you know, at least with like jokes and fucking around, at least people like, you know, being a jackass, it's just like, yeah, you're being a jackass. Uh, sports people take very seriously, as do I. Um, so I just, I kind of like to keep that separate and I like to just like sprinkle it in um, every once in a while. But yeah, like I, I, I don't feel... It's always tough to talk about sports with fucking Big Cat or Dave, you know, like those guys, that's their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, I think, too, um, I'm not opinionated enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, We live in a big take culture. And if I'm just indifferent on the Steelers signing Russell Wilson, like, yeah, he'll be better. And but he's 35. Like, I, uh, you know, the people want to go online and see that the Steelers are going to win a Super Bowl or the Steelers have now ruined their their the next decade of football for themselves. Um, they don't want to hear apathy. And, and that is, that that is annoying because sometimes no matter how big a sports fan you is, sometimes it's, you are, sometimes it's just human nature for you to be apathetic about a certain things. Like, yeah. I, you know, like the, the, the Tigers will sign some guy into a minor league contract. It's like, where's the video? It's like, I don't, I don't know this guy. It's like, it could work. It might not. I don't know. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, like you, you can't go yeah. online and say in and out burgers. Okay. It either has to fucking suck or be the best thing you've ever done. I I just, I'm too indifferent. I guess the term would be boring. I'm too fucking boring on most topics, man. I I would argue it's more, you're more human. Like to me, sports and politics have almost become one and the same where there's one side that you have to root for and the other side is going to be immeasurably upset at regardless of what your opinion is, no matter how fair or down the middle it might be. It's just going to bother people, your association. I think being like... Uh, extreme one way or another when it comes to anything is whack and it's 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 almost it's uh it's hard to believe sometimes like of course like there's the franks and the jerry's where it's just like yeah these guys are uh psychopaths um but i just don't i don't have that in me and i don't want to come across as disingenuous either like if you saw me fucking screaming at a fucking kenny pickett interception um yeah i don't want him to throw interceptions holy shit oh shit I don't want him to throw interceptions, but I'm going to turn that on. Uh, I'm also, I'm, I'm, and I don't want the Steelers to lose or the Mountaineers to lose, but it's also not going to ruin my uh, week. One second. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate fixing it. Um, you brought up, you brought up COVID and you said that you went back to New York during COVID. Were you back home? Uh, yeah, me and Kyle went back to his aunt's cause we were quarantining, quarantining and his aunt was living in Florida. So she had a house there no internet, no nothing, no cable. Uh, and we were just, uh, that's when we thought of anus. So we came up with anus. Um, and we were actually pretty lucky. It kind of circles back to not being a sports guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a sports fan, but I'm not a sports guy at work. People were so content craved over COVID 
there were no sports, like guys like me and Kyle were really able to kind of, even if the stuff we were putting out was dog shit, people were so hungry for content that it was working, you know? Um, and I'm sure there's stuff that we put out. I know for a fact there's stuff that we put out that wouldn't be liked now. But since there was nothing going on, uh, you know, that's when we thought of Anus. That's when we were doing uh, fictional crew, uh, fictional debates. That's when we were doing, um, that's when the dozen started for Jeff. And we were one of the first teams to play Brandon. That's when, you know, we were making videos and sketches and all kinds of stuff. That's a, that's a great point. And I think that we're going to look back on that time as so bizarre in terms of what we consumed, what we didn't sure. consume, like just, I mean, outside of like the, the, the political side of it, you know, and, and the lockdowns and everything. Like I, there were certain things I remember, I think it was Borat two dropped in the middle of COVID. And yeah. I remember being like, this is going to be, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to laugh my fucking dick off. It's going to be great. And I rewatched part of it re relatively recently. And I'm like, that's all right. Like I remember at, in the time you're just looking for something to make you laugh, looking for something to entertain you. But I also feel like in a lot of ways, especially with somebody like you, like a lot of creativity probably stemmed from that period when you kind of just, creatively have your back against the wall, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, the whole world was obsessed with Tiger King. That's right. Like they, like they were, you couldn't start now. There's now it's, it was a blip, but it was like a cultural phenomenon. Um, yeah, I think boredom helped a lot. Mm -hmm. I think Kyle and I kind of being in a weird part of the country, um, helped a lot, you know? Um, and then I was lucky enough to that again, uh, have Kyle there and like, while everybody else was isolated, I had a coworker that we could do stuff. With. Mm -hmm. And speaking of of you, you brought Kyle up obviously, but you brought up Frank a minute ago. I want to talk about your dozen team because I would say yeah. you guys, are, you are part of the you know the NHL has the original six. You are one of those original, the one of the OG dozen teams. And I kind mm -hmm. of view, I kind of view you and Kyle in a in a way as like the Frank whispers, where there's mm -hmm. a the, you have a certain ability to you at least make an attempt to try to calm him down in certain situations and in those live shows especially recently you guys you know get, got the best out of him i guess for somebody who is such a polarizing like larger than life figure yeah. at this point like when did you realize that the two of you had a had a connection with frank that could work not just in terms of winning trivia matches but making it entertaining as well yeah so um frank became our partner when jeff was like hey you need three people and me and Kyle really didn't even know Frank. Um, he wasn't even, I don't know if he was full-time at Barstool yet. And we picked the person who we thought Brandon would be the most angry to lose to. <laughs> and, you know, through that, Frank became our fucking friend, dude. Yeah. And so now, like, we have team meetings, and we realize that we work really well together. And I think, you know, Frank is, Frank is a fucking icon. Mm -hmm. And I think Frank, uh, you know, like respects me and Kyle. He knows that we like make we make a really good uh, trivia team when we're firing on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it started out as a troll ended up in, uh, you know, you know, one of my buddies. What people the most overlooked thing about Frank is that Frank is a fucking grinder, like whether it's like yeah. on, on the blog, like Frank does work really, really hard. Uh, I mean, you, the guy maintained a website for 20 years with like, you know, 12 people viewing it. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's always put in uh, put in the effort to be, you know, to get eyeballs. And now he finally has them. You guys won the uh, Las Vegas uh, yeah. championship get with Gary V, who was was great with you guys. Have you have you talked to him since then or what was kind of his? I haven't uh, talked to Gary since uh, he 
I'm, I, he's a very high energy guy. And, you know, I, I, you know, going back to Frank being a grinder, like they're, they're similar type guys where it's just like, don't waste a second of your day. I'm more like I do a three hour yak and I'm just like, Oh, I can't even form a thought anymore. And just like, uh, those guys are just truly, truly different breeds. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, going back to, to, to you for a second. I mean, I, when I told my buddy that I had met you, Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you were the person that everyone was most excited to know that I had met. Like, Oh man, that's a huge compliment. Well, yeah, but I think, I think what it is is that you in a lot of ways, whether I mean, accidentally or purposefully have kind of cracked the code to like not being a douchebag to anybody. Like, I just, I feel like you have an exceptionally high approval rating. Do you like, I, I, you're not an arrogant guy, but have you ever taken a step back and been like, yeah, I feel like, I feel, I feel like other people are comfortable around me since you've, you've been here. It's, it's like the biggest compliment if people reach out to me for like any sort of like advice or like they, they can like tell me something or confide in me. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I love hearing it. I love giving feedback. I love asking for advice as well. So I like the back and forth of that. And I think that just opens up, uh, like lanes for people to be uh, comfortable around. And I, I like that. I like, I like having friends. Yeah, no, friends, friends are, friends are always a plus. Yeah. Uh, you, you have, I asked Mincy this as well, but I'll ask you, yeah. Uh, you, you've worked in the New York office and now you've mm-hmm. been in the new Chicago office, I guess, in terms of just, you know, the overall mood, the vibe, maybe like the work you're putting in, what are like some differences that you've noticed in terms of, uh, the, the offices now that you've worked in both of them? Um, honestly, oh, man, I, I've, I've just been kind of doing the same thing. Uh, it's just a different setting. I think I could live in any city and kind of find my, my base, which is this like slightly below happy. And, um, you know, I like, you know, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always on the precipice of a smile, uh, but not quite. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I think it's just like, for us, it's just the, it's the yak in a different setting. Of course we have probably a little bit more resources here and a, a little bit more fuckery, but, um, you know, I loved New York. I loved the energy of New York. I love the people that are working there still. I don't like the 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 rivalry idea of it i still you know if that's the case then i'm like a benedict arnold i'm flying back there to do stuff with francis with fights with those guys like i don't don't, those are the if they do good that's good for us you know um if we do good that's good for them if we do bad it's bad it's you know um but yeah the difference for me is like the clean slate creativity uh, for creativity is refreshing you know coming here new apartment new friend groups, new restaurants, new bars, like it all, it all kind of goes back to like your mentals and how, uh, you know, it it makes you, gives you an energy to want to make shit, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. I am sure. And I I think one of the cool things about the company as a whole, but especially probably with the new offices is just the creative freedom that Mm -hmm. you get the ability to like be independent and some like, sometimes that can get frustrating, but I feel like, especially in a collaborative environment like that, I feel when you can bounce ideas off of people, it's probably, yeah. It scares the shit out of me a little bit, honestly. Like, what, uh, back to when I first started, I was like, hey, man, what? I was talking to Kyle. Hey, man, what do I do? And he's like, uh, make something. I was like, all right, fuck. You know, and nobody's here. The hardest part is nobody's here to tell you when it's done, right? And if I had my say, nothing would ever be done. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would look at it and be like, ah, oh, this could be better. This could be like, so you have to be your own judge of when 
okay, I'm going to put this out and I'm going to ask people to give 10 minutes of their time to, which is an in internet time, uh, might as well be the fucking Return of the King director's cut, dude. You're going to see the fucking mouth of Sauron and like, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot to ask. And so I don't want to ever waste people's time. And so it's, it's daunting to put out like a project and I would rather like, I mean, obviously it's impossible, but to have like this omnipresent, you know, Hey, that's good to go out. That's really good. But that's yeah. why it's nice to have those people to confide in. Like, um, the way, like when I first started the way, like Roan or KFC was when I would send them something or they would the feedback from them when they didn't have to really helped me, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I think just, you know, having, having people that you can send shit to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and like I put stuff out and I wasn't feeling great about it. And then you would like text me and you'd be like, Hey man, I had a rough day. I watched that. I loved it. And that like, that helps me more than, you know, well, it, it gets so it, it does get tough here because there's, yeah, like you, you don't really ever know when your stuff is great and you don't really know when your shit stinks either. Like I got hired just off the tiger videos. And so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll just keep making the tiger videos. I yeah. guess but at, at a certain point, like you do have to pivot. Like it wasn't until <laughs> I would say recently where it's like, all right, like here's, here's some ideas I can kind of bounce off of. Like I'm happy to be doing the interview show. And there's like, there, there is pressure that comes with that because you work with super talented people and you kind of get, I, I know I, I, I would guess we all kind of fall into this kind of imposter syndrome of, uh, instance in, at some capacity where it's like, man, I feel like I'm working with people who are like a little bit above, you know, uh, above me at this point, it does get kind of daunting, but if you, you know, you've been here for about four years now, Yeah. if you, were, if you were to meet somebody who had not consumed any of your barstool content, you were going to show them one thing to kind of be like, this is what I do here. What's the piece of Nick content that you would show them? So, yeah, like, that's a tough question. Like, cause I don't even know what my fucking job title is, dude. Like when I, if I had to fill out a form and said like, like if I was at the doctors, like what do you do for a career? I haven't been to the doctors in a long time. Do they fucking ask you what you do. Uh, I know. I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell my grandma. Right. Like I've said this before, my mom told my grandma that I make videos on the internet, but don't watch them. They're for adults to which my grandma thought was porn. <laughs> right. Cause that's exactly how you would describe a porn star as well. Um, I guess I think I would show, oh man, I loved rediscovering America, Florida. I loved that. And like, that was the first time during any filming, like we did the seance of rigs yes. and we, one of, one, of the, one of the funniest barstool moments. <laughs> we yeah. sped back to the hotel to watch it just on the little fucking viewfinder of the camera. And that's never happened before. Right. Um, there's like, I love uh, shopping network that me and Kyle did, but that was all on a guy. We did not want to do that. We were tasked with doing that as like an ad. And we were uh, Dan Vollmeyer, who's no longer at the company, awesome editor. And we filmed it, me and Kyle. We were there for like two and a half hours. And we were like, oh, this is fucking dog shit. This will never see the light of day. He sent us back a 20 minute cut and I was blown away. So like, I would say that's more his video than ours, honestly. Um, I guess I would show maybe like my, me getting my toe surgery on the yak. Cause that's a little bit of the stunts, a little bit of the drinking, a little bit of the yakking. That's probably what I would show. But then again, like that's a tough thing to explain as well. I'm on a daily show. I had an ingrown toenail one day. We spun a wheel to have one of the guys take it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I remember. Yeah. I, I, 
I, I mean this I as somebody who is your friend and cared about you, that was that was tough to watch just you going through. Yeah, that. man. Yeah. Um have you you've had the opportunity, you know, with traveling around to meet so many different people. Do you do you get starstruck when you by certain people that you've met? Um Josh Allen coming out for the yak on the dozen. I was like, no fucking way. Yeah. No fucking way. It was the night of the NFL honors. Like, he's not doing this. Um, let's see. The Always Sunny guys was like my third week being in the office, and they came in, and I didn't even fucking look at him, dude. I like everybody else was taking pictures. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that you see. I've never really been one to like fall into the trap of celebrity. Like, you yeah. know, I don't really um, follow that as closely as most people in the field do um sheesh man oh um the guy that plays the deep came in on the boys chase crawford mm -hmm. and uh he was so handsome i had to get a picture with him yeah so yeah just shockingly handsome but that's really that's really it just because what am i like what am I going to do? Like impress them. And then they're going to be like, I got to be best friends with this guy. And then Nick's chilling with Chase Crawford. Hey, like, man, that's got, never going to fucking happen. I got this film role for you, man. And, yeah. You know, right. Yeah. I, um, the, the, like, the, Hey man, you want to come on in? Like, it's not, that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. The, the classic, like I got the, the elevator pitch, like yeah. uh, fantasy of like, I gotta, I gotta impress this guy in, in half a second. Um, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> That's fine. Let's see. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go up to Chase Crawford and just be like, "Hey, man, you're handsome." He's like, "Yeah, I fucking know, dude. <laughs> right, yeah. I've been my entire every second of my entire life." Yeah. Um. My my buddy would be would be pissed at me if I didn't ask this yeah. question. But where did the Violet Beauregard thing the the references come from? Where, <laughs> like, obviously, I know it where it came from in terms of the source material. But what? How did those like? Was that just something you tried once and it became funny and you just continued it? I think it was just like I'm obsessed with tertiary characters and things. Yeah. And I love knowing their backstory and full names. And that one was just like phonetically saying Violet Beauregard, the way you could break it up, the way you can enunciate it, the fact that she turned big and blue. Um, like I love I love uh Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I love that movie. Uh the 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 Gene Wilder one, of course. Yes. And I don't know, I just like stuff with like that obscurity obscurity once people don't get but then you could really just fucking hammer it and then people start getting into it like and then it gets people on the inside of an inside joke like i love talking about violet beauregard me and kyle love talking about the movie simon birch uh, i love talking about fucking pokemon that nobody likes i like talking about looney tunes pranks and like shit like that and tertiary character in looney tunes and i it's just it's fun for me. And so that's how it all started. It's just an obsession with side characters. Yeah, I, I feel like we share kind of a similar brain mm -hmm. with that, especially with something that is as unique as, you know, kind of the world that was created in Charlie and the Jocka factory. Yeah. Like I remember back in the, in the prequels era of star Wars, like even before memes were a thing, Kit Fisto had this very large, oh, I love Kit Fisto, dude. <laughs> yeah, he had this very large, following to a point where I remember seeing Revenge of the Sith in theaters when that fucking horribly choreographed scene where Palpatine just slices four he, Jedi. But, but, he, but he, he, he's the one that lasts the longest. He lasts, long, he, lasts, he lasts a solid eight seconds and then got sliced down. I remember everyone in the theater going, boo! Yeah. 
yeah, no, there's there's something about the obscurity mm-hmm. that comes with that because it feels like an inside joke that you're sharing. There's nothing the better than sharing inside jokes with people, and then the feeling of like like anus as a whole hilarious sentence uh, uh yeah uh, um is an inside joke the whole the whole fucking thing mm. and so that's just kind of how i like i i've always wanted to be on the end of inside jokes and now i can start some of them like back to star wars like in high school we had to make our own typeface our own font and i made quadraneros bold named after ben quadraneros the most famous band in star wars <laughs> his shit. pod racer didn't start but I've, yeah. I've always loved that shit. I love Pokey Reese, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm never going to like the star of a team. Uh, that's just always how it's been. Oh, dude, it's but baseball players, especially. It's the weirdest mm-hmm. thing. Like, there's this guy for the Tigers that played. He probably he was probably here for close to a decade. He's now, I think, he's uh, with with the Pirates organization now, or maybe he's back in Houston. Named Don Kelly. The guy mm-hmm. was a utility player, like a 600 OPS. The fans like uh, they miss him, like legitimately, like wa- they they wor- they like him more than they liked like Prince Fielder when he was here. Uh, yeah, there's every fandom has a Kit Fisto, and it, I just <laughs> yeah. want to find every one, man. And I I think that's such a perfect way to grow an audience. It's ironic you brought up the Always Sunny people because I feel like that show is like the prime example of doing that with the amount of like fucking kitten. Like there's like the you know the icebergs that they do online mm-hmm. of like, like I feel like you can make one of those with Always Sunny where it's like you have the kitten mittens, you have the De- Nightman Cometh references, you have the mm-hmm. musical numbers. Like that's one of those shows that's so perfect to binge watch because you pick up um, on all the inside jokes. I feel like there's kind of a similar dynamic with what uh, with what you and Kyle have. Well, I I always uh, I, I always kiss a little bit of ass at the end of uh, oh, at the end geez. of one of my episodes. So yeah. bear with me. Um, I said to Mincy, said to Tarek Scubo, knowing you, look, I I love you to death, man. I really do. Uh, you're one of my favorite people in the world. You've been so kind to me. Uh, I really hope at some point soon we can do some in person. I have Absolutely. kind of, of some yeah. opening day that we could do uh, involving Mincy as well here in Detroit. Hopefully the weather will be a little bit nicer. But uh, by all means, man, whatever you're doing, both personally and with content, please keep doing it, brother. I love no, you. No, of course. And I'm excited. To, I'm excited to work with you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative that you had me on here. And uh, this has been a blast. I think it was my first time I've ever been interviewed. I was, I was actually nervous. I, I hope I hope I alleviated a little bit of stress. Definitely, definitely, you made oh, it easy, my friend. I'm, I've never really been great at, at relieving anxiety, more so causing it for myself. But yeah, I think in, in this case, I think we did an all right job. But thanks. Yeah, I think so too. Yep. Of course, my man. I love you more. Thank you so much to Nick for joining us. Uh, God, what a smart guy. What a fun. I, I, you know, honestly, like, I feel like I fanboy out a little bit too much with Nick. I just I I, I worship the guy. One of the nicest people I've met, not just at the company, but ever. Make sure you follow him, follow his podcast, follow him on the dozen. Uh, I don't know. Do we have? A, can you can you do fan voting via telephone like you could on American Idol? If you could, call one eight hundred Frankettes. Vote for them on on the dozen if you if you want them to be ranked as a higher seed. I really appreciate him being on uh, and giving me a great discussion. Learned a lot of new stuff. And I, I hope you guys did too. We will be back here later this week. A little programming note. Right now, we are going to try to do two shows a week. A lot of that will be dependent on what guests we can get. But we will be doing a second show this week on Thursday. I will be uploading my interview with Justin Henry Malloy, Tigers prospect, traded uh, Joe Jimenez in order to get him in December of 2022. We're going to talk all about that process and as well as some of the things that he's learned since joining the Detroit Tigers organization. So like I said at the beginning, like, retweet, comment. Let me know what you think. Let me know who else you want to see beyond because uh, the audience matters. You know, I'm not going to tell people to like mass tweet JJ McCarthy and ask him to be on my show. 
But uh, you guys, you guys know what's up. Appreciate all the support. Like, subscribe. I will see you later for episode four. Thanks for watching, everybody. Peace and happiness. Oh, boy! Yes!